Huh. All right. Let's see how this Home Alone or Home Sweet Home Alone bullshit is. What? What? What the fuck? <sighs> home Sweet Home Alone. It's in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. Pam, I watched an episode of Locked Up earlier today on demand, and I can't go to jail, honey. I wouldn't last 30 seconds in Gen Pop. Gen Pop? General population. It's where fresh fish get got. Tear me apart, Lisa! Ah, oh, dang. I'm so excited! I'm so scared! Oh, no. Hey, would you mind putting that gun away? My wife doesn't care, but I'm a very timid fellow. You idiot. Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because, remember... No matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Kerland. And for our second episode of A Very Bagel Basket Christmas and the last episode of 2021, we are doing Home Sweet Home Alone. We did Home Alone last year, or Home Alone 1 and 2 last year. But I have one of our favies back, Mr. Christopher Brown. Yeah, um, I'd say I'm excited to be here, but uh, we, I mean, we are talking about Home Sweet Home Alone, so. Yeah, th this episode literally wasn't going to happen. It came uh, out of Kismet because, like, you and I message each other every time we see a movie, no matter how bad or good it is. That's just what we do. And I saw this with Haley. We just needed something stupid because... The way I pitched it to Haley to watch it was I heard that the kid is the villain of the movie and that the two wet bandits are basically poor people, like unfortunate people under bad circumstances. And then I messaged you after I watched it. I'm like, was the kid the villain? And you're like, oh, yes, 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. I don't necessarily think it's safe to say that he's the villain per se, because he is a child. Right. Uh, but it's it's a it's a weird scenario. It's not cut and dry like the original three in any way, shape or form. Well, I original two. I have no idea what happened in the third one other than Scarlett Johansson was apparently in it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how could we forget Max Keeble's big move star, Alex D. Linz? I'm, I'm not familiar with his body of work. Uh, and that's, you know, as a man approaching 40, I feel like that's probably not a bad thing to have in my, my well, uh, he tool did, belt. He did Home Alone 3, he did Max Keeble's Big Move, and he did uh, the voice of young Tarzan and Tarzan. So that's it. Yeah, those were all movies out of my age range. So I'll again reiterate that it's probably good that I'm unfamiliar with his work. Wait, how is that possible? Aren't you around the same age as Scarlett Johansson? Yeah, in that ballpark. Yeah, and she was, you know, a kid when she did. Ah, whatever, it doesn't matter. Why don't you give us nah, a block? She was, she, she was a teenager when she did Home Alone 3. Was she? She looks so young. She looks yeah, like but she's that's like... because she also looked like a baby when she was in Lost in Translation, and she was probably like 21, 22 at the time. Okay. Why don't you give us the blockbuster rule for this gem? <laughs> All right, so for this one, I think on the back of the tape in Blockbuster, what you would read is actually how it was pitched uh, in the boardroom meeting. So what it reads is as... <sighs> Goddamn. So how about this time, <laughs> the villains are all right. Shit. <laughs> That's what it just says? The villains are all right? <laughs> yep, just long sniff, Goddamn. How about this time, the villains are all right? <laughs> Oh, and uh, oh shit, my nose is bleeding. <laughs> God damn it, my septum collapsed again. <laughs> I'm like Robert Evans, I have a hole in my nose. <laughs> yeah, so basically, this got made at Disney Plus when they acquired Fox. Yeah. And they're like, hey, uh, let's do Home Alone. We got Mikey Day to write the screenplay. If you don't know who Mikey Day is, he's basically the guy who is bogarting all of the good screen time on SNL. He is 
he is a very good straight man, I think, on SNL. So when he's doing like a moderator, if like they're making fun of like a, a debate or something like that, if he's acting like the moderator, I think he's great for that. But as soon as you get him trying to be like all wild and zady, then he uh, he comes off the rails a little bit. Yeah, and they they kind of predicted that he was doing this last year when he wrote and starred in the sketch where they literally do Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that this movie was happening, but had, had I known that, I probably would have been able to sniff that out as well. Yeah. Uh, so the lead of this movie are leads because they kind of focus on the kid like as an afterthought. Archie Yates from Jojo Rabbit is our Kevin McAllister. His character's name is Max Mercer. And his mom, who's supposed to be the Catherine O'Hara, they're like, oh, we need a comedian for this, so let's get Asling B. <laughs> yeah, and that was a weird casting call. Uh, very weird casting call. <laughs> his entire family, it's like they forgot that they were British because halfway through Asling well, B slips into her Irish accent. <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, and obviously uh good old Max Mercer the son had a British accent throughout. So the the impression that I was getting is that Andrew Daly wasn't actually his biological father, or if he was, maybe they spent some time in England as uh as Max was growing up and that's why he had an accent. Yeah, why I does Andy it's, Daly have there, two lines in the entire movie? probably because he couldn't do a British accent. I, I have got a lot of questions about just dumb little things like that with this movie. Yeah, Chris Parnell has a throwaway part. Pete Holmes is our, you know, Uncle Frank. Was it Uncle Ralph? Oh, Uncle Frank, that's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, look what you did, you little jerk. Yeah, it's Joe Darty, right? Oh, Flaherty, think... Joe Flaherty. No, it's not Joe Flaherty. Uh, the guy who... Oh, it's poor man's? Yeah, it's a... Poor man's because originally the role was written for Kelsey Grammer back in <laughs> back in the original one. And he was like, good God, Niles. Um, uh, Jer Jerry Bammon. Jerry Bammon. Uh, all I really remember him besides um, uh, Home Alone was he has like no lines in The Long Kiss Goodnight. He also had bit parts in The Secret of My Success and Cocktail as well. Well, he went to Bermuda, Bahama, and he was a pretty mama. <laughs> Man, there's been so much Beach Boys in my life recently. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's all. I've just, yeah, it's just been a, a thing that's been happening a lot. And when that happens, I go down Wikipedia rabbit holes. So I've been reading about like the still cruising album, the one that's like mostly just old songs, but they tacked Kokomo onto it and sold it as like something new because Mike love is like a, a garbage human being. Is it, didn't, didn't Lils and Patrick do that on, um, they sure did. Yeah. 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 Because, uh, Sasser was on that one, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been on, he's been on a huge beach boys kick and he's been talking to it about me. So that's been getting me like listening to them. And then I'm doing things like spending time, on the toilet, I'll be honest, on the Wikipedia <laughs> page for Kokomo, figuring out what the hell just happened in 1988. <laughs> did Did you also watch the Muppets Kokomo? The Muppets do the Beach Boys? <laughs> no, no. So actually, that, that brings up an interesting question. So I'm assuming that is from the same era when the Muppets also did uh, Once in a Lifetime by Talking Heads? Yeah, and they also did She Drives Me Crazy by Fine Young Cannibals. When, when and why did that happen? Was that for a particular show? Because Daniel and I were trying to figure it out the other day. Okay, so the answer to that is when they were doing the deal with Disney, when they were supposed to become part of Disney before Jim Henson wouldn't go see a fucking doctor, um, <laughs> uh, they made music videos for Disney Channel. Oh, interesting. So okay. To, to go, it was like Kids Bop before Kids Bop, and it was to go on in between, you know, uh, what, uh, Gummy Bears, or what what was big on Disney Channel back then, uh, Kids Incorporated. That would have been like 88, 89, 90, somewhere so in that ballpark. Kids so Incorporated. yeah, you, you would have had like Mickey Mouse Club, Kids Incorporated, yep. uh, Gummy Bears was definitely around, DuckTales. Yep, woohoo. So yeah, mm. it was, it was, 
because they didn't have they don't have commercials on Disney Channel. They Yeah, so that was just to eat up the extra time. Yeah. For the stuff that they did ultimately put out to syndication like DuckTales. Yeah, yeah the first time I saw DuckTales, I was at my father's aunt's house. Um and this was probably like 88, 89 when it first came out on network TV because there was no way that this woman had had cable. Mm-hmm. And my brother and I were in like a guest bedroom just flipping through trying to avoid being with this woman that uh, everyone called auntie because she sounded like Marge Simpson's mother. And she used to work as a dental hygienist. And she would say things to us like when we got in there again, I was like six years old at the time. She'd be like, let me see your teeth. And that was like what her voice was like. No. And she'd like sit us down on a stool and would like examine our teeth and everything. So that was oh. horrifying enough. And that's something that like me and my siblings talk about to this day. Then within the last year of my life and uh, my, my cousin Jared, who's on World of Commotion, he uh, dealt with this as well because it's the same branch of the family. Within the last year of our lives, we were at like a family get together and my mother drops a bombshell. She's like, oh, yeah, she was never a dental hygienist. She just worked at the desk at a dentist's office. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh, so we She's should, in hell now. <laughs> so we should probably get back to this horseshit movie. Um, yeah. Uh, that Auntie, that is not my mother. My mother is thankfully alive and well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure your mother is a very lovely person. But yeah, that, that that should show you something, though, the level that I'm going to. I'm like digging deep into the into my psyche to talk about anything besides Home Sweet Home Alone. Well, OK, so in the regular Home Alone movies, you have two sets of adults besides Kevin's family. You have the wet bandits and then you have the adults who end up helping him. And the first one, it was that old guy who was the judge in Doc Hollywood <laughs> yeah, I built the fence with my bare hands. Also, I found out when he did Home Alone, he was only like 45 or 50. I feel like back then, though, 45 or 50 was like a harder life than, than it, you, you get with that sort of thing <laughs> well, around these days. <laughs> but uh, and then in the second one, it's Academy Award winner Brenda Fricker from My Left Foot as the pigeon lady. Yeah, that one was interesting to me, and it's interesting to me because, like, did she owe a favor? Uh, I, I want to ask that on one hand. Like, did she owe a favor to the director? Like, was there some weird reason she was in this? And then I start thinking to myself, like, what else was she in, though, around this point of time? Was was that just, like, Angels a game in that the came outfield. up? And she... Okay. But, I... again, that's, that's, like, the same... Angels in the Outfield, I would put a little bit lower than Home Alone 2 because Home Alone 2 was a guaranteed hit. Whereas right. Angels in the Outfield is like, all right, here's a live action Disney movie in the 90s. Wait, you're like, telling me that anyway. Taylor Negron doesn't bring people into the theaters? <laughs> I mean, look at the cast of Angels in the Outfield. You have you have uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as, you know, a young kid. You have Tony Danza, Danny Glover, Taylor Negron, Adrian Brody, Matthew McConaughey, Bruce Altman. It's a hell of a cast when you look back at it. Yeah. Yeah. Hell Who of a was cast. the dad in it? I want to say John Hawks, but I don't think it was John Hawks. It's a guy who looks like John Hawks. Was it Michael Pere? But m- my point is they blend, <laughs> they blend the wet bandits and those adults who end up helping Kevin into the actual leads of this film who are uh, Rob Delaney, Sugar Bear himself from Deadpool mm-hmm. 2, and Ellie Kemper. Yes, and, like noted Hollywood, like bubbly, nice person, Ellie Kemper. Yeah, and everyone's like favorite, you know, dad bod, Rob Delaney. Yeah, yeah. You have two people who are just well known as being just like nice good people. people. Di- different different flavors of very nice people, but very nice people. And th- you find out when you first meet them, their house is in foreclosure because he lost his job and they can't make ends meet. These poor people and this kid steals their, their you know, priceless doll, which is worth like $250,000. Or does he? Well, that's the twist at the end, but let's let's go on the belief that that Mikey Day wrote <laughs> that this kid is a piece of shit that he stole. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, uh, so I would. Here's what I would argue: if we're going to talk about villains in this, and we're going to talk about Max Mercer, who is the Macaulay Culkin of this. Yeah. I would say that Max Mercer, he's a foot soldier. Maybe he's Bebop or Rocksteady, but I'd say he's closer to a foot soldier when you compare him to who is the true villain of this film. And do you want to do you want to guess as to who the true villain is? In my opinion, are you going to say Kevin McAllister? No, I'm going to say late stage capitalism <laughs> because oh, right. this family is doing nothing wrong. They're trying their best, and they are just losing their house where like all of their family's memories have been made because their father lost his job. And they're on like that much of a paycheck to paycheck basis where, and oh, guess what? Don't you forget. no longer have a house as a result. And don't forget, they're also commenting on the fact that teachers don't make enough money because Ellie Kemper's character is a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I could go on and on because um, so I, I am friends with and... I'm friends with teachers directly and friends with spouses of teachers. I'm not going to like name any names or anything like that. But man, shit is getting wild out there between teachers and parents of teachers right now because parents are loath to send their children back to school because, hey, daycare uh, and teachers are like, we we need more money for this. Like we're we're essential workers and things are things are not going fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm well aware of that. But yeah, it's just another comment that that these people are getting so screwed and how the hell does the Mercer family afford that giant mansion? Well, they're British, so I'm guessing generational wealth. Uh, they inherited everything that they have and they've never had to work a goddamn day in their life for it. Is it like a Christopher Guest situation where she's like a dame or a lady or Yeah, it's probably something like that. Andrew Daly Daly married into it, and the reason he doesn't say more than a couple lines in this is because he doesn't want to rock the goddamn boat. He knows he's got a (laughs) meal ticket, and in this day and age, you cannot throw that away. (laughs) Yeah, Max, listen to your mom. Glad to have you back. You work with the cloud? (laughs) (laughs) Those are all of his lines. No spoilers, because that's his lines. (laughs) Like, I was... So the way that I I learned about this twist was I was watching Pitch Meeting. Did you watch Pitch Meeting? No. From Screen Crush. So no, I uh, I you know I, I every now and then that channel pops up. I'm more of a cinefix guy myself, but I okay. should check it out. But in Pitch Meeting, he it the 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 comedian plays bo- both roles of the studio exec and the screenwriter pitching it to him. And I I the, have seen this once or twice before. I'm familiar with it now that you mention it. Yeah. So. They're going through it, and, and he's like, wait a minute. It sounds like these poor people are losing their family and their lives. That's horrible. Yeah, but now we get back to the jokes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so and that's, that's basically how this is played. Like, they give you that beginning where you realize like oh my god this is horrible that this is happening to these poor people and then it is very much like a faucet like they turn it off and every now and then they say we need the money or something like that but that is the only reminder you have of the horrifying reason that they do need their money or when keenan shows up or when keenan shows up and what the hell is he doing here like did did mikey day lend him like 500 bucks he couldn't pay back or something so that's what i truly believe and they kind of do a jab at him because the thing that the MacGuffin of the movie okay the actual thing that the kid steals he doesn't steal the doll he steals a can of orange soda and they put it in as orange soda because of keenan and kel but it wasn't keenan who loved orange soda it was kel that makes no sense. I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, though, and say it made enough sense for you to pick up on it. I only picked up on it when I when I read the <laughs> trivia. <laughs> yeah. So, Oh, yeah. So reading through IMDb trivia, dear Lord, I, I didn't do it for this movie, but I have to imagine that there are some friggin' gems. Okay, I'm going to read a direct quote from Chris Columbus, because... Uh, when he was promoting Christmas Chronicles Part 2 last year, they asked him about the reboot coming up, and this is an exact quote. I'm reading everything he says. This is a paragraph long. Nobody got in touch with me about it, and it was a waste of time as far as I'm concerned. What's the point? I'm a firm believer that you don't remake films that have had the longevity that Home Alone has had. 
You're not going to create lightning in a bottle again. It's just not going to happen. So why do it? It's like doing a paint-by-numbers version of a Disney animated classic, a live-action version of that. What's the point? It's been done. Do your own thing. Even if you fail miserably, at least you have come up with something original. Yeah, but Chris, we asked you to tell us how you really felt about the issue. <laughs> that, what, do I, what I love about that is noted director of Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, while promoting the Christmas Chronicles Part 2, had all of that to say about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like... His his point stands, but at the same time, it's like, dude, like, pot, kettle, etc. <laughs> well, so the part that, that got me, that made me be like, are you fucking serious, is when they did the remake of Angels with Filthy Souls, but they did it as, like, a Star Wars movie, and then Pete Holmes is like, oh, man, remaking something that was popular in the 90s is just bullshit. I'm like, okay meta yeah that was a joke for the dads as uh as danielle and i've started saying um it came from us watching like a, a clip of like the um the hell is the thing at epcot with the food that sang songs i have no idea it was like an original opening thing but uh, it, it was hosted by like this animatronic uh woman that was very shapely and we just kept saying like oh yeah this is for the dads in the audience <laughs> so yeah any, anything that's for adults, I always just say, oh, it's for the dads. Yeah, also, the alarm code, even though it's like so generic that it's 11112, mm -hmm. um, that's because the original date of release for Home Alone was uh, November 12, 1990. So they're taking like something that they like used as a throwaway thing in The Force Awakens by having Finn's like. Dark, uh, Stormtrooper code number BFN1138 because mm -hmm. that was the cell block number Leia was in in the first movie like they're taking something like that that's like a throwaway thing that like the the absolute freaking nerds of the world like myself will catch on and enjoy but they're just doing it in the most dumb way possible but you don't have people who are there there aren't people who are like there are people who are fans of Home Alone I love Home Alone I watch Home Alone and Home Alone 2 Lost in New York Every Christmas. Trivia question. What day did it come out? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what I do really uh, love, November though. November 12th, uh, 1990. <laughs> the, the great thing, though, with this alarm code is that if you're going to this home and you're going to brute force that alarm to get yourself in and steal their stuff, you get it on the second guess. <laughs> yeah. 111111. Damn it. One 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 two. Dang. Okay, let's go rob some shit. <laughs> okay, am I crazy? But did it look like they the the design of the mansion of the Mercer house, the inside basically looked like a rich version of the McAllister home. But the McAllister home itself was already a mansion in itself. It just looked kind of different. It still had the green walls like the McAllister house. Mm-hmm. It, it looked you, very. You know what it reminded me of? It, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Murder House from American Horror Story. If it was well lit and like they cleaned it up a bit, mm. that's kind of what it felt like to me. It was like that that nouveau like sort of when when they take like an older house but they make it look super modern inside in California. <laughs> so, um. <sighs> It's not supposed to be California, though. And also, Murder House, isn't that supposed to be Massachusetts? Murder House is California. It's in L.A. It's actually okay. a real house. Okay. All right. It was The second season was Massachusetts in the, uh, in the psych Asylum. ward. Okay. Yeah. Because that's supposed to be Willowbrook, right? Yeah. But no, I, I just meant a uh, like in style, not, not that it is in California physically. Right. Because they filmed this movie in Chicago. And in Vancouver. That yeah, that's not surprising at all. Because yeah. get your establishing shots in Chicago, and then film where the X Files filmed. <laughs> How did Buzz McAllister become a cop? <laughs> I am guessing, based off of people that I went to high school with, or not even just high school people I went through school with the whole way through, who ended up becoming 
state troopers uh that it's not that difficult to become a cop in some circumstances <laughs> well we were watching this and Haley goes um when he gets the call to go to the house when he's like no it's just my brother being a dick because we left him home alone Haley's like you still have to go check it out yeah but no instead he's going to give some exposition on both of the first two films right and the i i would love the dispatcher to be like yeah great just go take a fucking look yeah yeah they're like oh okay well <laughs> use your discretion <laughs> so i'm sorry i have the uh the imdb trivia up in the background and mm-hmm. this last one is quite a doozy writers streeter seidel and mikey day did not promote the film on their social media accounts <laughs> Do you think they changed their script completely? They hired like a ghostwriter to do ghostwriter, not writer. Do you think? Yeah, they... I mean, anything's possible. They must have been like so pissed with how it turned out. Yeah, for them to not. Well, I mean, Mikey Day was in it. Who is he in it? Uh, he had a bit part as a priest. Oh, I didn't even see him. I didn't notice. Was this? Yeah, at... he was. It was at the church when uh, what's his name was there. Um. Can't think of his name from Community. Jim Rash. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the senior center. Was it the senior center? I thought he was a priest in it. Uh, Well, Jim Rash is at the senior center for the Oh, Carol that's of- right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, Mikey Day, he's listed in the credits as a priest, and I remember him being a priest, so. Uh, but he was, physically, he was physically in the film, but yeah, it doesn't mean that a lot of things weren't changed on him. Yeah, um... And I think it's like really, it's really creepy that the aunt, so Rob Delaney's brother, who is Tim Simmons, who I love from Veep, and his wife buys their daughter like a a skimpy dress. And I'm like, it was a disturbing dress to buy a teenager. Um, Incredibly creepy. I was going to qualify. I was going to qualify with especially a teenager you're related to, but you don't need that qualification. It's just creepy to buy that for a teenager. Yeah. But if if someone says, no, please don't buy my daughter that dress, A, it's too expensive and it's too skimpy, don't buy that dress. There was, there was something about uh, Tim Simmons' wife. Who played her? Uh, Allie Mackey. I'm not familiar with her work. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, she's apparently she would... the voice of Giggle McDimples in Toy Story Yeah, that's 4, how I know I her. Seen. Yeah. Yeah, she basically, uh, she was also in Cloak and Dagger. That's how I know her. Um, the original and she was movie? On... No, the, the Marvel TV show. Oh, 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 okay, okay. That makes yeah. a hell of a lot more sense. Because, like, there's no way she's age-appropriate to have been in Cloak and Dagger. No, she was also on Dear White People. That's the other way I know her, too. The TV show Dear White People. Okay. Um, But, yeah, like, if someone tells you not to buy your child who is your child something, don't fucking do it. Yeah, that's generally the way you, you do things. But, no, she's the rich, fun aunt. And their little bastard child, uh, not Ellie Kemper and Rob Delaney, their kids are fine. Um, Ollie. uh, Ollie. That kid, there's something so creepy about him. And they're like, oh, Ollie, who steals, he's the one who actually stole this priceless doll. They're like, oh, he found it. Are are you insane? These are the types of parents who their kid's going to become a serial killer. And they're like, no, not my kid. No, no. Yeah, he was always such a nice kid. I, I don't know what went wrong. <laughs> Those girls went disappearing all on their own. I don't know how they ended up in our basement tied to a radiator right next to our train set. <laughs> the train set was really the detail that uh, that gave that the chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah, uh, I used to when I used to do stand up. There was this old guy who always asked for like five minutes at at the Beantown Comedy Vault. And his whole bit was that he he had someone tied up 
in his basement right next to his train set. <laughs> and the more he went into the details, I'm like, I turned to one of the other comedians who actually turned out to be a famous comedian. I'm like, uh, I think he has someone tied up in his basement. And they're like, shh, this is killing. <laughs> and then Mikey Day turned to you and said, shh, this is killing. <laughs> the person who who it was, um, uh, I'll tell you off mic. Okay, cool. Yeah, I got to tell you more about that state cop off mic, too. Okay. It's too dark to tell here. <laughs> <laughs> well, in our last Christmas episode, I uh, told Haley uh, the line from Have you seen Inside Job? Alex searches Inside Job that's on Netflix. No. Well, uh, the robot president, played by Mickey Mouse himself, Chris Dematopoulos, has a line where he says, <laughs> He's about to kill someone, and he says, "How you'll feel and how I I feel, or uh, what your death will mean and how I feel are one and the same. Nothing. <laughs> that is the darkest thing that I've ever heard in my life. Oh, really? That's it? It's it's pretty dark. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, no, we'll, we'll we'll have some conversations. It's cool. <laughs> Hooray! I'm so excited. <laughs> Let's talk I, about Hamilton Fish for a little bit. No! You might know him as Albert. No. Uh, but yeah, like, everyone in this movie, including Asling B, is kind of a garbage person. Inclu the, the people who come out the best are the McKenzies. Yeah. Delaney and uh, Ellie Kemper. They're the ones who come out the best because they're just a victim of their circumstance and they're yeah. trying to they're trying to reclaim something that is theirs that they think yeah. that this kid has stolen from them. They're not trying to steal like they're not like, oh, we're going to steal the TV and we're going to steal whatever jewelry. They just want to go in, grab whatever is theirs and get out. Mm -hmm. It's the kid who causes all of the destruction to the house and then Spoiler alert, he, they have to pay for it. Yep. I really didn't like that. Yeah, no, I don't... The uh, the Hunter McKenzie's, we can call them, I, I didn't care for at all. Like, Tim Simons is great, but I think it's a, a, an attestment to how great he is that I loathed him in this film. <laughs> Both him and his wife came across as such pieces of shit, and... Uh, yeah, that, that just like nothing changed about that throughout this movie. Those two people did not grow or learn or evolve at all. But why did the Mercers make the Mackenzies pay for the destruction that their son caused? Well, they broke into the house. But they could afford it. <laughs> they could. I mean... We don't know what happened because all, all we know is that there was an epilogue that was a happy ending where both families were friends. Yeah. And if, if they're so rich, if the Mercers are so rich, why are they having Christmas dinner at the Mackenzie house? Because they're slumming it. They want to live like common people. Oh, so, so they're like Kelly Preston's character from Mischief? Yeah, you know. They, uh, they, you know, they, they want to just, you they know, they want to bang the bad boy, play some pool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're Smoke from the cigarettes and play some pool. Yeah. They're, they're like Andrew McCarthy's character from Pretty in Pink. He wants to be with the girl but from the you know other what? side of the tracks. Yeah. But still, they'll never get it right. Cause when they're laying in bed at night, watching roaches climb the wall, they could call their dad and he could stop it all. Thanks. Jarvis. They'll never live like common people. <laughs> Did I send you the the video clip of William Shatner singing that with Ben Folds? Uh, no, I've heard the studio version of it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I've I've not seen it performed live. Yeah, and Joe Jackson I, I told, just randomly shows up. Yeah, he sings the chorus on it. Did uh, I told you about how I scared Jarvis Cocker? Right. No. Did you say? Uh, did you say I loved you in Goblet of Fire? <laughs> Probably would have been more graceful. Uh, so. We we went to Iceland for Sigaras's festival a couple oh, of years ago that they this, had yeah. at on New Year's, yeah, yeah. And he was wearing a coat that looked like 
he was wearing Chewbacca's belt. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> but anyway, I just yelled at him and frightened him. That's all. Hey, Jarvis. Huh? Thanks. Yeah, I was just like, as soon as I realized that I had genuinely terrified him, I was just like, I, I like your music. And then I turned and started walking out because I was like, I can't, I can't so recover li- from this one. <laughs> you literally pulled a coop from basketball when, uh, when Reggie Jackson is like, hey, Coop, I don't have your fucking ball. Good, good luck next year. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, except he, uh, he had no idea who, he, who I was, and he probably didn't know my intent either, so it was probably a frightening moment for him. <laughs> Please don't kill me. Yeah, I just left and immediately was like texting my friend. I'm like, dude, I just, I just scared Jarvis Cocker. I don't know what to do about it right now. Well, do you remember the first time? No, but I remember the worst time. Uh, I love having someone who... We've said so much since then, yeah. (laughs) I I love having someone who loves pulp just as much as I do. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like, the Mercers... Oh, actually, if if that's the case, we'll get you on for... uh, I got got one more pick for uh, Amiak on the Horizon, and uh, and I'm going to do This Is Hardcore, so... Okay, well... If you're down for that. Sure, but Pat is also trying to get me on too. <laughs> eh, whatever. We'll figure it out. Take it offline. <laughs> the, we'll, talk the, about, we'll talk about that, the cop, and the comedian. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Pete Holmes in this movie, why of, of everyone? Because in Home Alone, John Hurd is the dad. Why didn't they just make Pete Holmes the dad? From watching He's the trailer. He's a little bit more of like an, an everyman. Yeah. Andrew Daly is like a little bit more uptight seeming. Right. But but John Hurd has a ton to do. Uncle Frank doesn't have a ton to, to do. He just says Yeah, um, um He just says, Look well, what honest, you did, honestly, you little jerk. Yeah, the weird thing about this is that they made two Uncle Franks. Because you yeah. got Chris Parnell uh Chris Parnell in there as well. Yeah. Who has like nothing to do. The, the the celebrities they get to just show up in this movie, it's like, how the fuck did they get them? Well, Jim Rash, he seems like a good dude. If you promise him craft services and, like, scale, I'm sure he'll he'll show up to whatever it is you got in mind. What I'm wondering is if he was the one who ghost wrote the movie. If, he, if him and Nat Faxon did a complete rewrite. And that's mm. why Mikey Day was pissed off, and Jim Rash has a bigger role than Mikey Day does. It's possible if they uh, they, they go start that. I don't know. Like, what has Jim Nash written? I'm not familiar with. Uh, I'm familiar with his roles and things, but not stuff he's so actually he ha- like written. He has an Academy Award for writing The Descendants. He, Interesting. He wrote The Way Way Back, and then him and Nat Faxon did the remake. Uh, downhill the remake of uh, oh my god what's it called uh, Force Majeure interesting yeah so he's got writing credits and like the way way back is one of Sam Rockwell's best performances so they could have had him rewrite this movie and no one would be the wiser except for poor Mikey Day <laughs> yeah um, also how is it by the end of this movie, poor Max Mercer doesn't have childhood diabetes? Uh, probably for the same reason that Kevin McAllister doesn't either. Uh, they they both uh, did some did some bad things in terms of their bodies. Well, he's eating cereal with soda, and uh, yeah, how can we forget the fact that the mom goes? So the, the the reason why they even end up in this house to get the doll is because he has to take a shit. <laughs> and well, yes, because he's eating nothing but cereal and soda. So so Asling B is like, oh, there's an open house. Let's let's go have you go take a shit in these strangers' house. <laughs> well, he wasn't eating cere- uh, soda and cereal prior to that, was he? 
No, because that she thought- she promised him McDonald's, and because he was rude to Rob Delaney, she goes, "You don't get McDonald's." He's like, "Oh man!" And like that's what the whole like they're like, "Oh, this kid, he's pudgy and adorable." It's like, are you fucking serious? And as a kid who, when I was younger, I was pudgy and adorable. I still am kind of pudgy and adorable, but. <laughs> <laughs> She got business cards made up. Scott Carlin, pudgy and adorable. <laughs> no contact information. You just hand it out to people. Huh, yeah, he he was. I just want people to think about me. It's like it's like a, a Coco situation that I have my, my photo on the card, so if anything ever happens to me, it's in someone's house somewhere. I'll live on forever. <laughs> Yeah, it was like I saw some meme or something. It was something someone tweeted at one point that just said, "Taking a cantaloupe and leaving it out, so, leaving it on someone's porch at night is a great way to occupy some of their brain for the rest of their life." <laughs> <laughs> Why did this happen? But yeah, with with this kid, they're like, "Oh man, he loves sugar. He pulls. He dresses like Scarface. <laughs> he dresses like Tony Montana." And on a pile of Skittles, he basically just goes to town. Yeah, so he basically had his Camp Nowhere moment um, where the the kids all, like, freak out and do whatever the hell they want. And then the next morning in Camp, not Camp Nowhere, um, Heavyweights. Heavyweights. Yeah, and, and, and in Heavyweights, the kids wake up with, like, basically, like, a candy hangover, and they realize that moderation is key to everything. And the same thing sort of happens with Kevin McAllister in the first one because he ends up becoming responsible and going on a grocery trip to get things that's not just like junk food. Yeah. Well, well, I, I was like, oh, God, where are you going with Camp Nowhere? Because I'm like, oh, are you going to bring up Allison Mack? <laughs> oh, God. That was her <laughs> no, debut no, 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 we film. <laughs> well, you said you wanted to talk about darker things. so No! <laughs> But the uh, yeah no the reason I brought it up is because Max Mercer didn't go on that journey so he didn't have like the sort of course correction that the that, uh, that both Carp from the Mighty Ducks and then uh, Kevin McAllister had yeah oh and Keenan Thompson Keenan Thompson and Keenan Thompson in- yeah hell yeah yeah he was there as well as Goldberg and and all, oh, and all your favorites poor, poor Sean Weiss <laughs> he's doing better these days yeah but he had a rough couple he, of he years. Had a, he, he had a rough couple of years, but uh, you know, knock on wood, he seems to be on the mend. Some uh, some recent pictures of him, he looks like he was in pretty good shape. Good, good. We wish you well, Sean Weiss. Um, we do. I still I still don't understand how in this movie they go from wanting to kill Max when when the tables turn and they finally get in the house. She has his Nerf gun that has actual nails in it. Like he made a nail gun out of Nerf, um, mm-hmm. and she she goes from wanting to like basically kill this kid to being like, oh, you're gonna come stay with us while your mom's gone. <laughs> it was um yeah, it was a little bit of a a little bit of a I don't know a little bit of a whiplash in um in the change of direction there, <laughs> and. I mean, I, lo- I love they address the fact that in the original Home Alone movie, like, he cleans the house up so fast. Where in this one, they're like, no, a kid wouldn't do that. The house is destroyed. Well, he cleaned up some parts of the house because you'll remember that it ended with Buzz screaming at him because his room was still a mess. Yeah, but no one cares about Buzz. <laughs> no. Although, uh, here's some more IMDb trivia for you. In an interview in uh, the behind-the-scenes DVD featurette for the first Home Alone film, Devin Rattray, who portrayed uh, Buzz McAllister, was asked where he thought Buzz would be now, to which he replied, probably in jail. We find out in this film that Buzz is now a police officer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, Ellie Kemper offers to fuck Buzz McAllister to to get out of (laughs) any trouble. Oh, come on. She didn't offer to fuck him. She was just being flirtatious. <laughs> yeah, uh, those were the words, but she was giving him doomy eyes. <laughs> She's like, I'm a huge fan of R.I.P.D. Turn into that giant blob. 
it, it, I just, the whole movie, I was like, those poor people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they're set up to be completely sympathetic and not at all the villains of the story. Um, Max is gonna steal from a toy to, uh, a toy drive. Max is gonna steal from a toy drive for orphans. He's our protagonist. I, I I don't think he's a protagonist at all. I think he's just in the film and he sets the events in, or they think he sets the events in motion. I don't think he's supposed to be the protagonist. I think he's supposed to be just like a kid insert so that the kids can like have this like oh that's cool. He's like us and he's eating all this candy and everything. Whereas the actual plot is completely the the plot of this was written by an adult who saw Home Alone as a child. A hundred percent because they're writing it from their own perspective now, which is as an adult who has like legit consequences in their life. They're not writing it as the kid, which is the fundamental difference. And that's why we see Max just kind of doing whatever the hell he wants and doing fun kid stuff. And the adults are struggling. Wouldn't you just love a scene that in the epilogue, um, he goes to have like cranberry sauce or, or like, yams with marshmallows and the mom's like no 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 we got to give you your insulin now because you have childhood diabetes (laughs) (laughs) oh god (laughs) i was gonna get even darker with it but we don't need that he Uh, he's yeah that chris he's carrying he's carrying a backpack full of fruit loops (laughs) (laughs) you never know when you might need some I mean, he could have the other kind of diabetes. Oh, uh, no. The one where Whereas, you lose know, limbs. His, well, if his blood sugar gets too low, he needs to uh, he needs to sugar up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Most most I, people choose to, you know, have like, um, like a, a thing of orange juice or something, but maybe Max has a different approach. He has a more holistic <laughs> approach to it. Involving he follows cereal. his nose. <laughs> <laughs> Toucan Sam. Well, as long as he doesn't follow that instinct once he gets into drugs later on as an adult. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about Kevin McAllister's traps versus Max Mercer's traps? Like, like Kevin's... The feasible ver- versus completely not feasible? <laughs> huh. Who's are the feasible? <laughs> well, Kevin's are doable. Yeah. Most of Kevin's could exist in the real world. Granted... Some of them, um, many of them, in fact, would kill a person, uh, if not completely injure them for the rest of their lives. But they're they're legit. They're like micro machines. They're like the hot thing on the doorknob and, and so on and so forth. And they're also, you know, like the ice down the back concrete steps and the uh, paint bucket swinging down the stairs. I don't understand how he was able to Max was able to freeze an entire, you know, uh, uh, roundabout in the neighborhood. <laughs> If it's cold enough and it's a thin enough layer of water, that will totally happen. I actually yeah. slipped on uh, some water on our back porch that had frozen over because I was dumping. Basically, we have a um, like a tarp over all of our summer stuff on our deck and mm-hmm. a bunch of water had pooled in uh, and like started like raising it up. So I was dumping the water out with a bucket and I was a little sloppy about it. And the water that had spilled had actually frozen under me and I slid on it without even oh, realizing Jesus because it had frozen Christ. in like seconds. Yeah. Oh my so god. I'm 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 gonna vouch that, you know, if it's cold enough out, and by cold enough I mean like thirty five degrees and you know the, the layer of uh water is thin enough, that'll freeze right over. Okay. That could be believable, but the VR headset that Nope, that's not believable. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we we kept saying as we were watching it, we were like, How does Rob Delaney not have like fluid from his skull? going into his brain to slowly kill him. <laughs> Haley's like, he, he has damaged his front cornea. That could change his personality completely. <laughs> I guess there was a guy he's in gonna, like... He's just going to Phineas Gage it and the rest of his life he's basically going to be like a, like a feral animal that can speak English. <laughs> <laughs> Like, they should all be dead at the end of this movie, both him and Kemper, because he lights Ali Kemper on fire. Like, when when we were young and Joe Pesci gets lit on fire, we're like, oh, (laughs) yeah, it's funny because he's making the faces. But then when you see that it's it's (laughs) the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. 
Yeah, and she gets lit on fire like the fucking guy from Romstein. Like, she doesn't have, like, just a blowtorch going on her, the back of her head. Yeah. She's, like, in full bodysuit. Yeah. It's like, no, that's awful. <laughs> the entire time, as I kept saying, oh, these poor people, Haley's like, oh, are, are you doing okay? I'm like, no. No, I'm not. <laughs> it would have so been very upset. good to your point if um so if we're, if we're talking about the follow-up the next year so like as max is getting his insulin shot like um i don't know which of the mckenzie's take your pick like stands up and they're on a cane because they permanently need one in order to actually like get around at this point because of well, the horrible things that max has done to them well we don't see jeff right away he's in the other room because now he's in charge of the machine that put him out of business kind of like in charlie and the chocolate factory when we don't see him, I'm like, oh, God, he died from his wounds. <laughs> or, like, when 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 he sits down, I was expecting him to be like, Merry Christmas, everyone. Flaring, derp-a-derp, doop-a-doop-doop, flirp-derp. <laughs> like, he just says random stuff now. <laughs> and a Merry Christmas to all. Herm-a-derm-a-derm-bop. Merry Christmas, everyone. Hey, uh, I just want to let you... Cocksucker, I want to let you know you're all a bunch of cocksuckers. Merry Christmas. And like Ellie Kemper leans over and she's like, what did we say about the C word? That's not nice. And he's like, yep, yep. <laughs> like he has Tourette syndrome now. No, I wasn't, I wasn't making a Tourette's. It was just like, he, you know, he, he confuses words at this point. I would. I all want you to watch me as I carve this cock, my cock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't easy for me to get this dog from the supermarket and you know put it in the oven and prepare it for us. But I want you to all feast on this puppy. <laughs> oh, Dear, what did we say? That's a, that's a turkey, not a dog. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, like I was saying. Not a dog, a, uh, not a dog, a dog. It's a dog. That's what I'm cooking. <laughs> Some words and, are just like gone from his mind. <laughs> and they also have to lie to Assling B that they didn't get the crap beaten out of them by their by their kid. He hit a tree. What? Remember? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, just imagining her. Why are you guys like injured to the point of like? death if i give you a dirty look <laughs> like we're playing we're <laughs> we're we're playing uh oh fuck what is the gun what is the game we're playing counter-strike right now and i can see that you only have like one point of energy left <laughs> like, if i push you you're gonna die <laughs> i do like i do like that they cause some of the the damage to themselves like when they go into the wrong house and they fall through the pool. That's their fault. Yeah. That that's uh, good. on IMDB trivia, it said that that was an homage to Unbreakable. In a kids movie? Because we know how much <laughs> no, just, kids I, I, love I Unbreakable. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> oh, I'm like, well, I wouldn't put it past Mikey Day. Like I I'd be like, okay, I Actually, believe Actually, you know what? I'm going to hop on and edit here. <laughs> you're gonna add that there <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> it was a combination of unbreakable and the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt <laughs> <laughs> that gives it just like a little bit of like plausibility yeah they, they wanted to combine the worlds it's a shared universe David Dunn exists in this universe and so does the <laughs> then that means so does Split. I forget the character's name, but he's there too. <laughs> you mean Split from Split? <laughs> yeah, Split from Split. And Glass from Glass. That that guy's name is Kevin too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what we need is more Kevins in this universe. <laughs> but it's just everything in this movie is heartbreaking and upsetting. It's not funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a great comedy. I mean, I, I don't know what you want from me. We're, we're, well, we're in agreement here. <laughs> this this is, what is this, the sixth Home Alone movie? Because they made Home Alone 1 and 2, which 
in my opinion, is canon. And then you have Home Alone 3, which isn't canon. The premise of that one is that he has chicken pox and he's staying home alone. And, and these, that one's like super high tech too. It's like these like high tech spies or yeah, trying to they, grab they, something or whatever. Yeah, they're like MI6. Fun. Or, or they're like jewel thieves or something like that. Um, and then there's two other ones. One of them is where they did like a TV version and the McAllisters are going through a horrible divorce. <laughs> 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 what why are you laughing uh a combination of just you know the topic at hand and i'm and i'm editing this uh this imdb page as we speak oh good for you now we have a now we have a written document that we did it on air that's <laughs> yeah, fine <laughs> do you know that macaulay culkin said that he wanted to do he would do another home alone movie but he wanted it to be that Catherine O'Hara was left home alone and she's starting to like lose her mind. Like she's starting to. Oh God. So basically she plays Bam Bam from Curb Your Enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking of Ellen Burstyn from What Requiem for a Dream. (laughs) Both work, but uh, one was Catherine (laughs) O'Hara already. (laughs) Larry, I fucked Bam Bam. But that's what he wanted. He wanted, like, he's the one who has to get home to her because she's home alone. (laughs) (laughs) Oi, yay, yay. So, did we leave anything out? Anything else you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. I mean, like, I will say this I didn't hate this movie. Uh, I, I would watch this movie again, absolutely. Uh, it's the kind of movie that you watch if you're drinking alcohol or <laughs> smoking the marijuana or something like that. Like, it, it's not a movie that you sit and watch with, like, you sit down and, like, you turn off the lights and you're like, all right, fucking movie time. <laughs> no, this is, um, this is like a good times movie that, you know, you, you watch around the holidays. Like, you got a couple glasses of eggnog and it's like, oh, let's throw this piece of shit on. <laughs> got a couple so of it, gallons of, of eggnog. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it's one of those things that makes me happy that uh, Letterboxd gives you two capabilities you can rate a movie from one to five stars but you could also say whether or not you liked it so i was able to recognize like yeah this is a piece of shit movie so i gave it like one and a half or two stars but i also said that i liked it because i would i would totally watch this again well so after i watched this i was on facebook and all of my friends who i went to high school with they're not my friends now they're just facebook acquaintances um but these these people i went to high school with who are moms now and they have kids they're like we watched home sweet home alone and it was cute and i'm like oh my god you have horrible tastes <laughs> we're gonna watch the minions next oh god oh boy so how many bagels well i kind of buried the lead there a second ago uh if I gave it two out of five stars, I would say that's going to probably be let's say, 13 three bagels. and a half. Three and a half bagels? Three and a half I'll, bagels. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it three. I mean, Ellie Kemper and Rob Delaney alone are worth a bagel apiece. And Pete Holmes for me, just, I love Pete Holmes. So, yeah. yeah. Do you want to promote anything? Uh, Yeah, I got... Got my own show called Old Men Yell at Cloud, where we talk about music that we like, uh, or depending on who is hosting that week, dislike. And uh, Scott's going to be on a future episode at some point. Uh, He's been on at least one in the past, and that's about it. Apparently, I'm going to be on two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Patrick and I will fight over it. It'll it'll probably just boil down to scheduling, honestly. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I have... uh, another podcast called hell is a musical it is on the zero science network where you can find old men yell at cloud um chris and i also do uh when scary met stabby we have another mini series called where in the world is Stephen quincy urkel and we are always spitballing stuff that never comes to fruition um <laughs> so yeah that's gonna 
do it for December. We're going to take a little break and come back in January for Bagel Basket, um, where we're going to do snubs and shrugs for the month. And uh, Chris, you picked a doozy of a snub Mm -hmm. that we'll tease right now. It's a film that when you think about how badly it got screwed, I mean, Haley and I talked about with Iron Giant how that got screwed and didn't get the love it deserved. This this is your pick. Let's just it's say they, th- they threw it to the rats. <laughs> That's right. We're, we're talking about Willard. <laughs> <laughs> Featuring Crispin Glover, not the original. I told you about when I met Crispin Glover, right? No, but that sounds delightful. It it was great, and he's like, "Oh, you brought a copy of of Dead Man. I would love to sign that." And then he signed on the actual DVD, destroying the DVD, and I could never watch it again. <laughs> and I was like, "No, no, I brought my own pen so you could sign on the case." Okay. <sighs> Thanks, Crispin Glover. So. Uh, Chris, thanks for doing this. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for uh, giving me a second reason to have watched this piece of shit besides uh, satisfying my own curiosity. (laughs) Well, until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Bye.